guest. Today we are talking one thing and one thing only. It's the Rutgers quarterback position. And I have someone here from the state of New Jersey who really is making a name for himself at that area, the quarterback position. That's Mark and Hammond, Marcus Hammond of Next Level Quarterbacks, also of Next Level Great Football Club. Marcus, thank you so much for joining me on the Scarlet Nation podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. Marcus, before we get going, can you just, for those who are unfamiliar with NLG as well as the Next Level Quarterbacks, just tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, I'm actually a civil engineer full-time, and I played quarterback at a 1AA school, North Carolina A&T. Uh, and the, the phrase played is used very loosely. I actually sat on the sideline, sent in signals, but the guy that was teaching me football played in the NFL, coached in the NFL, and one day I went to him and I said, hey, you know, I want to learn football the right way. And long story short, we met for about seven months straight, about 5 a.m., and every single time we would just go over football. So, you know, the guys playing in front of me were 6'5 and 6'3 and, you know, a physical specimen, but from a mental capacity, I really learned the game of football. So fast forward a few years, I was working as an engineer. My brother asked me to come work with some of his kids, and uh, I did it. They got better, and they kept calling me, and then it kind of just it sprouted from there. And, um, you know, six years later, seven years later, um, you know, we worked with some of the best quarterbacks in the country. That's wonderful. I guess the biggest the biggest word for me that I like to use is development. Uh, we like to develop quarterbacks. So we don't like to take a kid that's in 11th grade or 12th grade or, you know, already at a college campus. We like to take a kid that is extremely raw and build them from the ground up and then watch them flourish. And that's kind of been my forte so far. You know, for years, I've always complained that there wasn't enough quarterback development in the state of New Jersey. And that seems to have changed with the whole seven-on-seven push in recent years. Uh, the I guess the quarterback position in general has expanded to include a wider array of talents. So now you have the dual-threat quarterbacks. And you know, it's it's exciting time because in the state of New Jersey, I see more gentlemen like yourself out there training quarterbacks. I see more quarterbacks rising up to the college level and not only playing college football but excelling at the college level. Do you see the same thing that I have in recent years? Absolutely. A lot of that's just the game in general. I mean, even even at the NFL level, I mean, it's a pass-first game nowadays, you know. So when when I was a kid, it wasn't always like that. It was starting to change that way, but it wasn't it wasn't always like that. So now it's almost at the point where the seven-on-seven seven is needed, whether it's with your team or a club team or with your buddies in the field. Uh, those reps throwing the ball without taking hits are invaluable. It's probably also more of an appealing position to play quarterback than it was even just a few years ago because, you know, perhaps someone that was more drawn to the running back position, now when they see this these offenses that feature running quarterbacks, they might try out a quarterback too with their a young player because they can throw the ball, they can run the ball, they can have a, a bigger part of the offense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, with that said, we're going to look at a couple guys today on the Rutgers squad, uh, both current and incoming, who kind of have that dual threat capability, um, as well as one who isn't known for it, but seems, you know, perhaps to be able to move a little bit in Arthur Sitowski. But Marcus, what I want to do is just go down the list. I know you haven't worked with every player, but 
You've seen them all on tape. You have a, a general sense. And we'll talk about them. We'll talk about what a program like Rutgers might need in order to build from where they're at to where they need to be. So let's start off. You have the incumbent, Gio Rossino, six foot three, 230, incoming senior. From your experience, what do the Rutgers uh, Scarlet Knights have in him, and what might they need to get from him in order to take things to the next level next year? Well, when I was growing up, one of the programs that I admired, although not a fan of, was Florida State. And their model always was you come in, you redshirt, you learn the game, you develop, and then you mature, and then you become a player. Um, now, the, the biggest downfall for Gio is he's been shuffled through offensive coordinators year after year after year. So he's going to be starting brand new just like the sophomores and incoming freshmen will be because it's it's brand new to them. You know what I mean? Um from an X's and O's standpoint, I haven't seen enough of him to say what his physical abilities are. Um, but just, you know, last year, it, it seems like you, you saw signs of him being able to run the offense and, and make it competitive. And and honestly, this, this entire conversation might be useless depending on who the offensive coordinator becomes, you know, because uh, if you think of Chris Ash, you think of defense, right? So, do, does he want uh, a game manager that is going to, you know, control the ball, not turn the ball over, sustain drives, keep the defense off the field, you know, get points when you need to get points and allow the defense to win the game for you? Or does he want a guy that is, you know, going to be the flash and making all the highlights, you know, the Baker Mayfield or whatever? Um, but it, it really comes down to who they, who they bring in, you know what I mean? And that's where – just from the outside looking in, it raises some questions as to what they're trying to do just by the different talents that they brought in. Gio did turn the ball over too much, didn't do much in the air. I think he was hampered on several levels, not only, like as you said, because he had different offensive coordinators every year, um, not the strongest arm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's always other some other quarterbacks breathing down his neck. From your experience developing quarterbacks and just observing football, both as a player and as a as a fan, do you feel that I mean he obviously he needs to make a big jump from his junior to his senior year? Have you seen quarterbacks make those jumps before? And is it possible um, given the circumstances? Absolutely, Mr. Trubisky. Mr. Trubisky didn't even start until his senior year at North Carolina, and you know obviously it's fair it's fair to compare because he didn't start, but. If you look at the season that he had and then where what it propelled him to, I mean, he was a first-round draft pick and starting as a rookie in the NFL, you know. Um, so it, it's possible, you know, it's possible because the guy that was in front of him didn't do well in the NFL. So what changed that Mitch was a backup to becoming not only a star but playing, you know, and succeeding – I wouldn't say succeeding, but, you know, playing as a, as a rookie – in the NFL where the guy in front of him didn't have that much success, you know, whereas back in college, Mitch didn't supersede him, you know? So I think it's possible. Um, and a lot of times it really comes down to the room, you know, what kind of personality is going to gravitate to the players in the room. And that it's unfair, but sometimes that means more than what the guys do on the field because you can trust them. You're comfortable with them and you feel like he understands what you want to do. I was concerned this past year that 
Kyle Boland came in and well, I didn't think he was given much of an opportunity, but I realized why they went away from him because that limited opportunity that he got, and I'm referring to the um, Louisville transfer, fifth-year senior, but I was concerned that he was given the role of captain of the team just after joining the team, and Gio did not. And, you know, looking forward to the kind of intangibles that you're looking for as he heads into his senior year, I think that nod of confidence would have been something that would have given me confidence in Gio. But I want to move over to Jonathan Lewis because he was the incoming freshman last year, so he'll be a sophomore this year. Saw the field in limited capacity as a freshman, 6'3", 240, out of St. Peter's Prep, northern New Jersey. From my perspective, he wasn't ready to see the field this year and kind of was thrust in there because, you know, coach had to try to mix and match and find something that would work. From your perspective, did Rutgers put him in too early? Um, and what do you see for him down the line? I think it's twofold. So when you when you get a kid that's as talented as Jonathan Lewis, if you're going to burn his red shirt, burn it and live with it, you know, because uh, <clears throat> at that point you're thinking for the future, right? Very rarely, unless you have all the pieces to the puzzle around him, are you going to be competing for championships with a freshman quarterback? So let him, let him stay in, you know, put him in the fire, see how he does, let him learn on the job because now that, that real life game experience is invaluable. He'll, he'll go into the off season and the stuff that he'll learn in the drill work and on, on the classroom board is he'll be able to apply it because he's seen it. And when you give him bits and pieces, now his growth becomes a, a bit here and a bit there. And, you know, that's that's my thing. I'm Maybe I'm an old school, even though I'm a younger guy, but if you have a quarterback that you feel is ready, give him the keys. If he's not ready, let him hold a clipboard and learn. But at that point, you know, you can allow him to redshirt and still learn as much as he can without affecting his eligibility, you know, when it comes to freshmen. Now, if you were a redshirt freshman, then at that point, you know, you got to give your, your team the best chance to win. And naturally, people would say, all right, well, we want to give our team the best chance to win no matter what. But at the same time, you got to think for the future here. You know what I mean? Well, what is your impression of Jonathan Lewis in terms of what his strengths and things he needs to work on moving forward? I think Jonathan Lewis can become a really, really, really good quarterback if he's groomed the right way. Um, he's big. He has a strong arm. He has the physical attributes where he can get away from the rush if he needs to. He can stay in the pocket if he needs to. Um, now, understanding what he sees, you know, unless you're in, a, in the room with the guy, you don't really know. Like I was saying before, unless you uncover the different layers, you don't know what he does know or what he doesn't know. But to me, that would be the goal. I want to know if, you know, I want to, I want to learn what he knows and then I want to develop it because, you know, the physical part very rarely is the physical part holding a kid back. It's always the mental part. And that's just, that's at any position when you're going from high school to, to college, whether it's from high, from high school to Monmouth or high school to Temple or to high school to the big 10, right? It's a, it's a big jump. So it's, it's usually the mental capacity that's going to hold a kid back. So somebody that would play full speed, he might play three quarter speed or half speed, you know? So getting him really to understand that, that mental side of the game is going to be huge. And, and going back to what I said previously, if we, if he would have got a taste of that this past season and it's going to stay in the same system 
now he would be able to continually grow and it could become exponential to the point where he, you know, he would not only be able to lead his team to a winning season or bowl season or potentially compete for a division title, but, you know, beyond college, he has the physical attributes. It, it's really developing the mind. Well, there's another gentleman who's on the team right now is Tom Flacco, 6'1", 185, formerly of Western Michigan, transferred in last year, did not play. He saw time at Western Michigan, so he's college-ready, so to speak. Um, he's somewhere mm-hmm. down there from South Jersey, your neck of the woods. Have you worked with Tom in the past? I've worked with Tom at uh, a couple camps when he was a junior going into his senior year in high school. Um, I think a lot of people were shocked at how good of an athlete that Tom was. And I, I think at the time they kind of not overused him, but, you know, if you look at his highlight tapes, he was running up and down the field left and right. And, you know, he would throw when he needed to. Um, Tom is Tom is similar to Jonathan Lewis, except he's just smaller, right? He has the arm to be able to make the throw. He's just a little bit smaller. Um, but in today's game, that really doesn't matter. You know, I, I would like to see, regardless of who it is, I want him to be a pocket guy first. And what I mean by that is, is understand your protection, right? My philosophy is if, if a quarterback gets sacked, it's his own fault, period. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, the line has to block and do this, do that. But, you know, you're taught protections. You have to protect yourself. So if if, if he can understand that, protect himself, change the protection as he, you know, sees there's uh, very few blitzes occur without some type of hint, right? So if you study your opponent, if you study the game, if you study all the potential variations that they can attack you from the formation that they're in, then you know how to protect yourself. Once you know how to protect yourself, then, you know, you can stay, stay in the pocket first for that extra split second and then get the ball out before tucking and running. And I think when Tom was early on in his career, he was so successful at tucking and running that, and this may be bad wording, but I don't know that the coaches around him um, were willing to change that to get him to stay in the pocket longer because he would tuck in and run and pick up 15 yards or tuck in and run and pick up 30 yards, you know, and, and he's not going to be able to do that in the big 10. You know, I didn't see much of what he did at Western Michigan, but you know, you definitely not going to be able to do that in the big 10. All right. So let's take a look at Arthur Satowski, uh, formerly at old bridge, New Jersey, went down this last year to IMG Academy, formerly a four star. I think rivals.com scaled him back to three star because his, time down at IMG was not as successful as people were hoping. Um, some said it was just the competition level down there. Some say it was because they were trying to get him to play a scheme that he wasn't used to, which seems to be a common thread in his high school career. Um, looks great in shorts and a t-shirt, perhaps the best I've seen in a while at camps and combines in terms of just airing the ball out. Hasn't had that big high school season like a gentleman we'll be talking about in a minute, Jalen Chapman but seems to have some major, major tools. Marcus, what are your thoughts on Arthur? Art is literally a sleeping giant. Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, it's, again, I'm going to use the same phrase, but it's, it's tough to see what you're working with that quarterback unless you peel back the layers to know what he's been exposed to and what he's been taught. Um, Art, when you look at his previous film, He's not hanging in the pocket and going through one progression, two progression, three progression, right? 
So that would be my number one tool for him. I'm not going to try to run him a lot. I'm not like, yeah, you can get away with the deep ball, but not down in Florida, not playing the competition that IMG plays against, you know, because you got three, four or five star receivers playing against three, four or five star DBs, you know, so the guy's going to be covered and you got to make that precise throw. He And it's, I guess it's a common theme and that's kind of one of the main things that I focus in my program is, is the first thing that you need to worry about is knowing how to attack the defense, knowing when to go through your progressions, how to go through your progressions, how to protect yourself, when to check to a run, right? Everybody was shocked that Jake Fromm checked to a run run play yesterday in the playoff game, but that's one of the first things that you're taught is how to attack the defense. And I look at Art, Art should be an NFL quarterback in a couple of years. And I say should because, you know, that all depends on who's being around him and who's going to develop him, you know? I know if you were looking at Rutgers this year, they'll have a new offensive coordinator. Not sure if it'll be a new offensive philosophy. Not sure even what the philosophy will be, which is obviously makes this a difficult conversation to have. Given his high ceiling, would you give him a look at a starting position this year, or is he a player that you'd want to keep in the system for a year, red shirt, and then think about putting on the field at least a year from now? Um, again, I, you know, me being old school. You would see – did Art enroll? Did Art enroll in January? He will, yes. And so will um, the gentleman from California? Jalen Chapman, yes. Right. So what I want to do is I want to challenge all four quarterbacks. And I mean, like, I'm, that's, that's my thing. How do you respond to adversity? And, you know, so the entire spring, that's what it is. And you chart how they're doing, how they're responding. Um, who's failing, who's not, you know, who's, who's stepping up to the table. And then obviously how are they picking up the offense? Because let's face it, every offense, whether it's high school, college, or pro, you're going to have your base offense and then everything's going to change week to week as you game plan. Right. So you can game plan off of anything, but is he going to be able to pick up the things quick enough, better than Jonathan Lewis, better than Geo, to the point where, to me, it would have to be, you know, what well, this is a guy that we're absolutely going to ride with as opposed to, ah, uh, you know, they're even. Let me try Jonathan this week or let me try Art this week, you know. Otherwise, you got – you still – you have a senior. You have a sophomore, right? Unless the freshmen coming in are head and shoulders better than those guys, why burn their, why burn their eligibility? Right. And the, the, the tough part is, they're two completely different types, you know? So that is going to definitely play a factor into who plays first, because if you got a guy that wants to, you want to pocket passer and, you know, four wide single back and throw it 35 times a game, you know, that, that might, that might be more in the arts favor. But if you got a guy that wants to, you know, spread option or, you know, more, more, more of a mobile quarterback, That'll be in, in uh, Jonathan and Tom and um, and and Gio. Gio, yeah, my fault, yeah, and Geo's favor, you know, and even Chapman, you know. It, it, that's what's so interesting about this kind of quarterback race right now. You have the mobile quarterbacks, and then you have Satowski, who really was someone who Greg Schiano would have absolutely drooled over. I can't even yep. imagine someone over the past fifteen years in the state of New Jersey that Greg Schiano would have wanted more on the team than Arthur Sitowski. 
But he has that one thing going against him that he has not had a killer high school season yet. You look at his stats, and I guess you'd say they're mediocre. But, man, when you see him at a camp and combine setting, you know, it, the, the throws that he makes will just make you drool. Well, you got to face it. Most offensive coaches are confident, right? And, you know, I'm an offensive coach. My brother's a defensive coach, and some of my best friends are defensive coaches. And when you're hanging around the table, you always argue, oh, my offense is better than your defense, right? So offensive guys are confident, uh, borderline cocky, borderline arrogant. Their mentality is I can develop them, right? He has to have the raw tools. Not many people have raw tools like Art. And if the right guy comes in and he has a history of developing, then it, it could work out. Now, if we're talking about a 10th OC in 10 years now, you know, it's probably, it's probably going to be a shaky career for him. But if you get somebody in here that's going to stay three, four, five years, now, you know, you might not hear from Art for the first two years. But then it, it's a situation where as long as he's working at it and he's diligent, you know, he'll come in and – you know, whenever he gets his shot and and be the guy, because if he redshirts and Jonathan doesn't, Jonathan will be a junior. He'll be a redshirt freshman, right? And if you get some stability in the program, now I know there's talk whether Ash will still be here or not, but if you get some stability in the program, Art could jump in and play as a redshirt sophomore. Now he's got two full years of understanding the system. He's got two full years of getting bigger, faster, stronger. So ideally that's perfect time for a guy to come in and dominate. I think the big wild card physically and mentally. Yeah. Not just that physically and mentally. Yeah, of course. You know, the big wild card here, I believe is six one one eighty California wide receiver, Jalen Chapman. Now I'm being very gracious in going with his rivals.com profile size of six one one eighty because there has been some chat that he might even be as small as five eleven. But one thing you can't deny is that Chapman has put up some ridiculous numbers at the high school level. He's almost, I guess, the opposite of Arthur Zatowski in that he's done it. He's led a big team and a a strong conference to a state championship. He runs the ball. He throws the ball. He makes plays happen on the field. But there are these question marks that surround him. Is his arm strong enough? Is he tall enough to withstand hits in the Big Ten? Um, and is he big enough, you know, at that size? And things that, you know, Rutgers fans have been battling back and forth with on the ScarletNation.com message board. So I wanted to throw it at you. I know you haven't seen him in person. I know you've just seen the same tape that the rest of us have seen. But when you watch that tape, what do you see of Jalen Chapman? Rutgers fans are probably not going to like my response. But the first thing that I see is a, a gentleman that has trouble transferring his weight. If you look at all of his downfield throws, he's he's hitching, right? The very first play on his highlight tape, he hitches two times before he even throws. He's not hitching to redirect his hips like he's going through a progression. He's hitching to get his his hips underneath his throw. Um, Sometimes that's not a bad thing, but at the college level, I'd like to see my guy plant his back foot and and throw. He does that a couple times on some slant routes and uh, some shorter routes, but there's very few deep balls where he plants his back foot and then throws it. so that, that's going to be an issue, which you can correct that over time. Um, the second thing is what I kind of mentioned is he very rarely does he go through his progressions. Um, so he's able to, to launch the ball deep. He's able to make plays with his legs. But like I was talking about earlier with Tom Flacco is, 
You know, can he sit there and go one progression, two progression, three progression, four progression, and then run? Now, granted, what I just said is seems like an eternity, and you got to have the line to provide you that kind of protection. But I haven't seen that on film. I've seen him do one progression run, and he's talented enough to get away with it. But I posted on social media just the other day, there was a defensive lineman for uh, – Man, I can't even remember the team. I want to say it was a college game. And the defensive lineman, interior interior three-technique lineman, ran all the way down the field and caught a running back from behind. So you're not going to be able to run away from these guys the way you think you are because guess what? Those linebackers, they're running 4-6-9 too. You know, those guys from Ohio State, those guys from Michigan, those guys from Michigan State. Um, So he's going to be forced to – um, hang in there, go through his progressions, you know, learn the protections to give him, to allow himself to, you know, have more time um, and then become an athlete. You know, the difference is, and I, I guess I'll say this because I've seen him in person, is Lamar Jackson, if he goes 1,001 run, he's running 4-3. It's different, right? He can run away from those guys. So, um, and you've seen that different in that difference between uh, Lamar Jackson's for uh, first year to to now where even now he's hanging in probably too long where he's getting sacked you know what I mean so um I, I think Jalen Chapman will be a little bit of a project um just because not because of his size not because of you know his limited arm strength but because <clears throat> one what do we want to become if we want to become, if we bring in Rich Rodriguez right here, um, here to Rutgers, then he'll probably do really, really well. But if we bring in someone that wants to be pass first, um, he, he has a, a few things that he has to clean up. And, and, and the beauty of it is that's okay. He's a freshman, you know, and he's enrolling early. So he would have to over, he would have to, Supplant Geo, Tom, and Jonathan that are all upperclassmen, upperclassmen compared to a freshman, and then he would have to outplay Art. So the reality is, not much should be expected of him right now. The fan base might expect a lot because he's signing a scholarship, but from a coaching perspective, you shouldn't expect this guy to come in and save your program. If that's your mentality, your, your program is in much worse shape than what you think. You know, so. Um, the the thing that I saw is he he gets the top end speed very very fast and if we are going to become a spread type program that allows the quarterback to run often I think he can pick up a lot of yards but it's it's got to be design plays um, and it's got to be you know scheming versus you know a lot of RPO type stuff and um, the the height always it, it, Ten years ago, it would have made you nervous, but the success of Drew and the success of Russell, um, not as many people are worried about the height. I mean, look, Baker Mayfield, what is he, six foot? Right, and then the quarterback at UCF has been doing UCF is 5'11". Yep. He's 5'11 on his tippy toes, you know? So, well, look at this. You're, there's five athletes right here who we've discussed today. I know you have not worked with all of them individually, but you've seen the same tape we've all seen, seen them on TV too, on game day. If you were going into the spring, 
on this Rutgers staff, you were one of the quarterback coaches, uh, someone on the offensive staff there. Who do you want to see the most? Like, who are you going to give? I know that you'd probably say that you're going to give them all an opportunity to shine, which is probably the right thing to say. But our fans want to know, if you were handing the ball to someone right now to lead some of those winter workouts and spring practices, who would you be handing the ball to? If I were Rutgers quarterback coach, I would hand the keys to Jonathan Lewis. And the reason is his upside to me far outweighs the risk of the experiment. And naturally, naturally you, you have to groom him, but you know, what, what is he? Six, five, two forty. How yeah, tall is Jonathan Lewis? Rutgers has him at six, three, two forty. Six three two forty. I mean, he's he's big, he's athletic, and he has a strong arm. So he he he's not going to break. He's not going to you know he's going to be a little bit more durable. Um, but all that speculation because I'm not in the meeting room with him. You know, if I I would challenge them during mat drills, during weight room, I would I would challenge them each and every day and see who who works the hardest. You know, I would quiz them every single day. As I'm installing my offense, I would quiz them every single day, literally every day, and see who's working the hardest. You know, who's who on a quiz is is getting something wrong that never gets it wrong again, or who who is get, taking a quiz, getting it wrong three weeks later, getting the same thing wrong. That guy's he's he's to the bottom of depth chart right away, because you know when you got that many guys, it has to be a competition. And when you make it a competition every single day, every single day, every single week, they're used to competing. So when they got to compete against another opponent, they should be used to it. They should be doing it for 10 months already. Now, from your experience, is that the exception of the rule, that level of competition between the quarterbacks or any other position at the college level? Is that what is going on in a college program? Um, it depends. If it's a guy that has the spot and you know he has the spot, um, for example, there's rumors that, um, damn, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, the guy from Jersey that, that's from Maryland, what's the backup quarterback's name? Uh, not JT Barrett. Uh, I'm, I'm about to. Uh, don't worry about it. Let's, no, either way. Um, so DJ, DJ is probably a be much better quarterback, rumors, than JT Barrett. But JT Barrett did so well early on in his career, it, it would take so much for Urban Meyer to have to pull him. You know what I mean? So there are situations like that where a guy has done so well early on in his career, like like the quarterbacks coming in at Alabama, it's going to be impossible for for them to 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 supplant Hurts without unless he gets hurt, because freshman and sophomore year he takes him to a national championship. You know, now granted that Saban, who knows anything's possible with him, but if it's not that type of situation, in my eyes, it has to be that competitive. If it's not that competitive, I don't know that I want that quarterback playing for me. The, on the positive side, I'm looking down this list of five quarterbacks. It's been a while, and perhaps at no point at my time following Rutgers since graduating in 1995, where I've looked down a list and said, you know what? There's five guys, five guys that Rutgers can work with either now or in the future. You know, Gio only has one more year, but 
it's an exciting time period. They're, every single one of those gentlemen has something they bring to the table. They also have some limitations. I hate to say it, if they didn't have limitations, they wouldn't be at Rutgers. So it's to Rutgers' benefit, I think, that Arthur Sitowski went down to IMG and exposed some of his weaknesses because if he tore it up down there, he wouldn't be at Rutgers. He'd still be committed to Miami and heading there this winter where he originally, right. where he originally committed to. So you get what you get at this level. Where Rutgers is right now, you have gentlemen who have all some unique potential. You got Jonathan Lewis, who's built like just a freak, tall, strong, can throw the ball a country mile, but he doesn't have the accuracy at this point to really make you excited about what he can do in the short term at, at Rutgers, but definitely in the long term, if they work on that accuracy, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. You have Geo, who has shown it in bits and pieces over the past couple of years. Uh, he can move with his legs. Uh, can he get the ball down the field and score? Um, he has some, oh, some wins to his credit. So, you know, he did better than Kyle Bolin when he came in, but just didn't do good enough. Flacco has some experience, put up great numbers at the high school level, has those bloodlines with his brother who played in the NFL. Satowski gr- couldn't look better in shorts and a T-shirt. Unbelievable arm. And you have Chapman, who is a bit of a, a mythical person right now to Rutgers fans because all we're seeing are press clippings where he is just lighting up one team after another. But as you said, uh, you know he's shorter. He's some mechanical issues right now. Is I guess you, you, that's how I'm characterizing it. But Zion has some work to do. And so to kind of sum it up here, you're saying Jonathan Lewis would be the early front runner for getting the ball first in spring ball, but who knows, correct? Uh, if I had to put a name on it, I, yeah, I don't, you know, I would let them compete, man. They have to compete. If you want to become, you know, that's how you win in the fourth quarter. You, you got to you gotta compete each and every day. And, and what will happen, and I've seen this happen firsthand, is, you know, one week a guy might get tired of competing. And it sounds messed up, but – that's the guy that falls to the wayside. Well, you let know? me ask you this question. Rutgers is also looking for another offensive coordinator right now. When you look down that list, <laughs> Lewis, Rashigno, Flacco, Satowski, Chapman, what style of offense do you think best plays into their strengths? Um, I, I hate this phrase. I love this phrase, and I hate it because you you see – a lot of people that use it and they misuse the word, but I would have a I would have a up tempo multiple formation offense, and what I mean by that is think back to Sam Bradford at Oklahoma. They were a very 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 fast paced no huddle team, but they ran a lot of plays from under center. They ran a lot of plays with two tight ends and Demarco Murray in the backfield. Um, so I know. You know, being run first, you can still be run first and, you know, have, um, you know, uh, a fast spread offense. But at the same time, it, it you know, how well are the guys around them developing? You got Blackshear, who is is going to be good. You got young receivers that they need to be developed. You got young linemen that if, if the young linemen develop, now you're talking about, a solid core on your offense. So, you know, I would be, I, I would be multiple. I would attack the defense 
um, at their weakest point. And if we're playing against a team that struggles throwing the, the, you know, against the pass, I'd pass it 60 times. I'd pass it for five yards. I'd pass it for three yards. I'd pass it for 12 yards. I'd take a couple shots down the field. I'd run some screens. You know, I'd run triangle concepts. I'd run some, some mesh and shallow. I'd, I'd throw every single thing at them if that was their weakness. Now, if, if their weakness was, uh, you know, stopping the run, I'd throw an H back in there and run it down their throat. And if we had trouble doing that, I'd get somebody else in there, do a couple play actions, short passes, get the ball moving, right? The best way to, to help an inaccurate quarterback is to shorten the distance. You know, and I would attack it from that way over and over again. And after we hit them with a couple play actions and a couple screens, continue to run it down the throat because all it's going to do is soften up the linebackers and just attack them, attack them, attack them. I mean, it sounds easier said than done, but the guys that taught me football taught me from an old school concept. And, you know, you got to run screens every single game just to keep them honest. You got to run one trick play every single game just honest and you got to take shots downfield if you're not taking one or two shots down the field every quarter then you'll you'll never keep a defense honest you know and that's regardless of who your quarterback is you know Uh, i don't know if that answers your question or not no it answers it and marcus i want to thank you so much i held you on the phone about twice as long as i wanted to but you had great insight um i look forward to talking to you again i also look forward to getting down to one of your next level great football events Everybody speaks so highly of you. Bobby, who I know lives down your neighborhood, tells me great things about you and the things that you're doing for the kids of this region. So thank you so much for being on with me, and thank you for all that you do for the kids of New Jersey. No problem. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And, folks, please make sure you stop by next time to listen to the Scarlet Nation podcast and also visit us on the message board, scarletnation.com.